Welcome to episode 39 of the Ask Achieve show, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today, we'll be discussing when to incorporate core training into your workouts, how to deal with negative self-talk, and our three key pieces of advice for someone just starting out on their own business. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. What's up, Achievers? As we approach episode 40, I, as I was just saying the intro, I was like, man, I'm, I'm really surprised that we've stuck with that same burning intro, but <laughs> I, I'm, I don't I'm, even I'm hear glad it. that we've stuck through it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think the first 20 episodes, your eyes would just roll so significantly, <laughs> but now it's just our thing. You know, it's, it's, it, we, we have to continue on the tradition. Yeah. I've let it, I've let <laughs> it just be a thing. It's fine. Um, so today we went over Achieve Quest planning, which we're super pumped about. Yes. Achieve Quest is something that we've been doing for the past five years. This is the fifth year. This is the fifth year. Um, it got inspired by a scavenger hunt that we did it at Northeastern University, which was called the Husky Hunt. And the Husky Hunt was a 24-hour scavenger hunt all across Boston. And right? Greater Boston. And it Greater was like Boston. All I mean, it was insane. Cities, yeah. And teams of, I think, up to 15. Yeah. So this was like a... This was a crazy operation, um, and there were like 100 teams or something like that. So we decided to do our own version, and we made it five hours long, and we made it teams of five members or not members to join, um, and it's clues and riddles and challenges and um, different kind of games all around Somerville. So we uh, we decided to have it a little bit more localized, a little bit more feasible that way. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just a whole bunch of fun putting it all together. And it's definitely considered, out of all of our events that we run throughout the year, our, our members' favorite event. Yeah, it's so much fun. And we, I mean... Every year we've just like added new elements. This year we're really putting a big twist in it, which is going to be bum, bum, bum. fun for those people who have. There's some people who've been doing it every single year, so yeah. um, so it's going to be different, new and different for everyone this year. But basically, we also try to incorporate a lot of other local businesses too, so we get them involved in some of the clues and get them um, in, like to be stations for some of the different challenges. And it's a really fun way for us to connect with other local business owners, um, and also for us to bring some awareness to uh, to a lot of the local businesses in Somerville because there are so many small like mom and pop shops that people don't even know about. Yeah, I mean Somerville is just awesome in this regard. There's like uh, the amount of small businesses within Somerville is crazy and the amount of people within Somerville that just support local businesses and just go out of the way to go to their local farmer's market um, is just pretty high. So um, it, it's always a good time. Yeah. Yeah. So we're pumped. We it's going to be that. so fun. Um, anything else we need to talk about? Um, if you want to perfect your push-up or get your first push-up, Lauren put out a great tutorial on YouTube. Check it out at Achieve Fitness Boston. Thank you. It was cool. really fun. All right, let's go to questions. Okay, so our first question comes from... Wait, what did I say we're going to start with? (laughs) Mm. Core training. Core training. Core training. Okay, sorry. Lost... I lost my uh, my order here. Okay, so our first question is from Christine underscore fit. And she asked, hi, what are your thoughts on core training? Is it more beneficial to do core training, i.e. planks, side planks, stability ball mountain climber, or stability mountain climbers as an activation before a workout or as a finisher to a workout? Thanks. Um, so this is a great question. And definitely, I remember back, back in the day when I was writing my own programs and not really um, hadn't gotten into the coaching side of things yet um i would always put core training at the end so i would do like 
elliptical first. <laughs> like this would be a typical workout for yep. me. I would go to the gym thinking about back to like my Northeastern like college days. I would go to the gym. I would warm up on either the elliptical or the treadmill or the Stairmaster or something like that for like 20, 20 minutes maybe. Then I would do some machines like the, you know, seated leg raise and the lat pull down and all of the like upper body and lower body exercises that I knew. And then I would finish at the end with like 10 minutes of core work. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would kind of just like burn out my abs as much as I could until I could feel the burn. So that was, (laughs) that was like a typical, and that's what I saw a lot of fellow gym goers, especially other women doing. So I felt like that's a super, super common way to go about doing it. I've seen like gymnastics programs or Olympic lifting programs or other various sport programs will, where they will prioritize um, compound lifts and other more uh, total body encompassing lifts first, and then they'll just say abs at the yeah. end, and they'll <laughs> say fifty to hundred reps of crunches or sit ups, and just like not they'll they'll go into such detail and periodize periodize <laughs> their program for the other exercises, and then at the end it's just like abs. abs. Yeah, <laughs> even in gymnastics, like we would have four hour long practices when I was growing up doing gymnastics, and it yeah. was all the you know important stuff, and then we do all of our conditioning, which was pull ups and dips and all this great stuff, and then fifty crunches. <laughs> it's it's like, like it's like vegetables at the end. It's like yeah. eat your veggies. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that isn't necessarily what we recommend. Um, it's not to say that that's you're doing anything bad but we actually think that there are other ways to go about it that are much more productive um so we tend to incorporate our core training into our main lifting section of our workout yes yeah so um so i mean for someone like um we've had some like yogis recently who are a little bit more flexible and can use a little bit more stability at the gym and for those people we'd actually Incorporate, let's say their compound lift for the day was a back squat or a deadlift. We we would actually superset that with some sort of dead buggy or wall marching variation where they're really setting their core and helping to uh, optimize that position as much as possible. So for people who need a little bit extra stability, we'll actually prioritize it so high so that it's superset with the main compound movement for that day. Whereas someone else who is, who, who uh, uh, wow. Stability isn't really an issue. We might put that later towards the end of the workout, but it's not a standalone thing that we kind of throw in just because people need it. It's always integrated with the entire uh, program overall. Yeah. So I would say that for a lot of people, it's like we might do a main lift and pair that with a mobility exercise if there's somebody who's a little bit more stiff. And then, like Jason said, if there's somebody who's a little more lacking in stability, we would do a deadlift paired with a dead bug or a wall marching or something like that. So, um, yeah, we definitely incorporate it into, into the workout and really make sure that we're working in all different planes of motion. Like we're trying to make sure that our core training is mostly about stabilizing the spine while our limbs are moving so that because that's what it needs to do in real life your core needs to stabilize your spine while you're walking while you're running while you're Mm -hmm. doing different activities um so that's why we really like things like dead bugs or um anti-rotation presses where you're standing in one place and pressing a weight a cable out in front of you and resisting the rotation even like the stability ball mountain climber she was talking about um and the question where Basically, you're in a push-up position with your hands on the ball. You try to maintain a neutral alignment while your knee is brought up towards your chest. And that's a good way to incorporate core training, again, without flexing over. We're not too big on repetitive crunches and sit-ups and stuff like that. We think that's a little bit... Um, can get a little bit irritating for your lower back over time. Um, we do still like hollow holds and 
um, other sort of like gymnastics type of like hollow body core work. Um, just because we view that more as a stability based drill, whether that uh, rather than a like a high repetition aesthetics based crunching drill. I guess. Yeah. 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 I'm having tough with words today. You're having <laughs> tough with words. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> yes. Yes. That is the quote of the episode. All right, let's move on to the awesome. next one. Okay. So hopefully that helps. Um, no, and actually, so she also asked about doing it at the beginning, because now I do think that there are a lot of programs that put core training first as like almost like you do power development and then oh, core yeah, training. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, um, sometimes yeah. I'll do that with um, people who experience um, back pain yes, relatively often. Yeah. Um, I'll put that in initially kind of as like a primer, just like kind of sets their posture a little bit, um, helps to remind them and bring awareness to what a neutral position looks like before they get into any sort of like lifting or heavier lifting and things like that. Yeah. I was going to say the exact same thing, so we can move on from there. Perfect. <laughs> cool. All right. So second question, this one is from Sharon.mar.94. And she said, Hey guys, question for your next podcast. How do you respond to clients negative self-talk? I.e. I'm so fat. I'm disgusting. I'm so out of shape. I find it especially difficult when we're talking about something difficult to change to help improve the client's mindset. Um, and yeah, this is, this is tough and it's tough for coaches working with, with people who have this mindset. It's also tough for people who have this mindset. And I have been both of those. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have definitely been the person who's saying those negative things. Um, and now I'm more likely to be in a position of, um, speaking with people who are saying those things. So I can, I can speak on both sides of this. Mm -hmm. Um, one thing I can say is that when you're in that mindset, the worst thing for me personally, was when people just countered with, no, you're not, or like, you're being silly or you're being crazy. Um, especially those like, no, you're crazy. You're not fat or no, you're, you're so like, you're insane. Why would you say that? You're not, you're not fat. And that drove me nuts because I already felt crazy and like, cause I already was going through this kind of negative spiral. And then for somebody to call me crazy, just made me (laughs) more crazy. Um, so definitely I would avoid, trying to just tell somebody that they're being, they're being crazy and you might, yeah. yeah. And you might be doing it because you're trying to be supportive, trying to be supportive and be like, no, really, you're amazing. Um, but that's hard to hear when you're going through that. I Um, mean, on the flip side though, I feel like saying anything other than that can also lead to that validating what you're already thinking, right? If you're in that bad place. So it's like, it's, it's, it's very difficult territory to walk, like walk down. It is. Um, you could start with asking them more questions instead of trying to console or trying to True. provide advice. You could just say like, "How come you're like? Why are what's making you feel that way?" Um, and just start to prod a little bit more. Like, what what's behind that? Like, what why why do you say things like that? Um, and they might be caught off guard because they might not actually know. And it yeah. might be years of <laughs> different things that are <laughs> piling true. up. Um, but give them an opportunity to talk it out. I think that's helpful. For me, I know that talking about it ended up being one of the bigger healing processes for me when I was actually finally able to say, like, hey, this is stuff I deal with, and it's really hard. Yeah. Um, so giving them that opportunity to, to speak um, about where they're coming from. Yeah, and I think... Yeah, I think, yeah, start off leading with questions and getting them just to open up and feel a little bit more comfortable and get into this sort of like trust and rapport building stage. Um, And then I would say after that, just um, relaying to them that a lot of your other clients or members, whoever you work with, 
also have shared the same sentiments, mm-hmm. I think. Or if you've gone through it, of course, saying, yeah. I've been there. Totally. And it just, like, uh, yeah, I think it just automatically places them at ease. Because it's true. I mean, everyone has these same yeah. sentiments, regardless of, like, like it depends on how, how much of a degree that you have it to. But um, saying something like that can um, just be like, oh, okay, I'm not, I'm not alone in this. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, so that's not, like, we don't have, like, great go-to sentence to say back to somebody. It's going to be very individual. It's going to depend on that person and really where they're at. Um, If they're ready to be like, hey, I want to work on my mindset, then you can start to give them some strategies. But if they don't really come to you with that, I wouldn't start by saying, hey, let's work on your mindset. Yeah. Um, I would start by just trying to dig a little deeper, trying to show them that you're there for them, trying to redirect that that conversation to what they're doing and how they're feeling and that kind of thing. Yeah. Think, um, but hold off on the advice for a little bit. Yeah, I think hold off on, on the advice and just kind of just say, you know, like it's not going to change overnight and just redirecting the conversation towards things that they can do that is in their control. And so just changing their goals to be more process oriented. So whether that's coming into the gym more frequently or meal prepping more frequently, doing things like they can check off their list and feel successful in. And then over time, more than likely, that's going to lead to an aesthetic result that they also like. But then consistently, even if they hit their aesthetic goals, consistently rewarding them or just supporting them and encouraging them on those process-based goals will hopefully just transition them away from just this pure outcome aesthetic and change it to more of their sort of just like process of getting there. And that can be just a lot more rewarding instead of getting to the outcome and being like, oh, I would like to lose another 10 pounds or because, yeah, just getting addicted to hitting those outcomes can be a dangerous road to go down. Yeah. I know something that you do really well, Jason, is like you will recognize people like you might be like, wow, that person, like to me, you might be like, this person looks super lean, like they're doing so well. But when you go up to them, you'll say, hey, you've been so consistent. What what have you been doing to be so consistent? Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, hey, you look really thin. Because then, yeah. then now, and because and, and, in that person's mind, you're saying, hey, you succeeded. Now, if you go back yeah. to where you were before, now am I a failure or now am I not succeeding? So instead of recognizing someone for the way they look, continue to recognize people for the effort that they're putting in. Mm. I think you do a really good job of that. And I've been trying to emulate that from you as well. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think saying that, and especially if you go into like, you're looking thin, that person, if they were coming from a bad place would automatically think, was I not thin before? And yeah, Yeah. there's just this whole rabbit hole of (laughs) situations (laughs) you can go down and under. So, um, yeah, I think for multiple reasons, going down that route is a lot more productive in the long run. Yeah. And then if you are, if you have somebody who's like, Hey, I really want to work on my mindset. I know I'm, I tend to be negative, but this is something I want to change. Then, um, Sarah, one of our coaches actually has a really great, um, she gave a great presentation to achieve to members of achieve that talked about reframing your thoughts and how she went about doing that. Um, for her, it was in not in the realm of, um, necessarily like body image, but more of just general anxiety. Um, and she had somebody tell her to reframe her thoughts, to go from whatever the negative thought was to something that is true and real. So if you say I'm disgusting, that's not like a true, you can't prove that, right? Yeah, you can't, subjectively. it's subjective. Yeah. You're, you're, <clears throat> it's subjective. You're just saying yeah. it. Um, so to go from that to saying, 
something that's true. And it can be as simple as this is what I look like. Mm-hmm. And it starts there where you just neutralize the negative, the negative thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually over time start to go toward this is what I look like and I'm proud of it. Or, or my legs look strong today, or I really appreciate what my body can do and starting to actually counter your negative thoughts with something more positive. But she made a great point that if you just go, if you tell somebody to look in the mirror and say, you're beautiful, (laughs) then you're just going to feel like a liar. You're going to feel, you're going to just be like, no, you're not. You're disgusting. Like that's what you're going to say in your head, right? Because that's where you're at right now. So instead of trying to go from zero to 60, try to go from zero to five (laughs) and then zero to 10 and then keep ramping it up. Um, So that is definitely a strategy that I've continued to um, put out there for people because I think that that was an awesome way that she put that. Um, that could really be helpful. Yeah. And overall, I love this question just because it seems like the person is just being super empathetic. Um, they're not like we hear stories all the time of coaches and trainers just dismissing these thoughts and saying, oh, I've got a crazy client or I've like it's they're being so irrational. But you're taking the time to actually dissect what's going on and figuring out what you can do to actually formulate a solution. So yeah. kudos. Great question. All right. Awesome. So third question. This is from. IZ underscore H and they asked first two years of building a business three what are three key pieces of advice you could give someone starting out who might be a little anxious all right so this one was I mean we have like 50 (laughs) pieces of advice probably um so it's hard to narrow down but we we did come up with we just kind of like jotted down a couple of the main ones and then we'll just kind of go off of each other yeah true so the first one we talked about was to take a lot of time to focus on your mission and why you're doing this business in the first place. So your values and your mission and why this is important to you. Yeah, those two. And just like really taking the time to envision what you want the atmosphere and the vibe to really feel like. And just that feeling will just really carry you on into the whole build out process. I mean, throughout, I mean, we still try to envision what we want the, what we want our space to feel like every time we walk in through the doors. Mm-hmm. Um, cause people can get really easily caught up in the business plan or what kind of equipment they're going to get or what services they should offer. And those are all just like very tangible businessy things. That stuff will all just fall into place. What won't fall into place if you don't spend the time doing it is really figuring out what's important to you, what's your ethos, what's your mission, what are your core values uh, that are associated with your business. Those things, it just take, need, takes a lot of time, a lot of soul searching. If you have a partner, you need to be crystal clear with each other and make sure that you're both on the same page. But number one by far is just understanding what you're doing this for um, as a bigger picture. Yeah. So that's number one, for sure. And that that we agreed was definitely the most important. Yeah, absolutely. If we had one piece of advice, it would still be that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, number two, we said, so now that you have that, you know, that vision in place and you've kind of worked on that, be prepared for the fact that your business will be all-consuming in those first couple of years. Oh, yeah. So it's going to be everything you think about from the moment you wake up to the moment your head hits the pillow and probably everything you'll dream about. Too. <laughs> <laughs> um, and be prepared for that. If you really are going to make this work, it's really hard to separate business from you know, leisure time or yeah. time at home. It's all going to blend and meld into one. Yeah. I mean, there's really... There's really, I can't even really think of any time where it's not on our minds at some level, right? It's just constantly on our minds. 
Um, and that's not a bad thing. It's, it's only a bad thing if you can't really determine what your, what the vision and the mission of your business is. If you only view your business as this vehicle to, um, Make help, money. Yeah, or... make money, essentially, basically. As, as soon as that becomes a sole focus, then you get real bogged down by the amount of hours and the amount of time and energy goes into building this thing. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's just a lot of work. And so that's like anytime someone asks us what kind of advice that they have for running a business or if they should open up a gym, we always ask them what their mission is. And if that excites them enough to warrant the amount of work and time and energy and thoughts going going into it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and if it is, then great. Then it's then like, yeah, then it the stars align. And yeah. that's how you get people running successful facilities. But yeah. when those two don't align, then we're a little bit more um, hesitant to recommend opening it up because... Yeah, I mean, the last thing we want to say is, yeah, it's great. It's amazing. It's so rewarding if their head isn't really in or their heart isn't really in it. Yeah, especially uh, like we've heard people say, like when we ask, because we always ask why, like, why do you want to do it? We've heard people say like, oh, well, like, I just don't really like my job right now. Yeah. It's like, OK, that's not a good enough or, reason. I want to make my own hours or <laughs> yeah, I want to be, be my, my own, own boss. boss. That's not a good like, reason. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, your boss when you have an actual boss that's not yourself will be a lot nicer to you and give you a lot more time off than you will give yourself yeah. when you're your own boss. Um, so it, yeah, just make sure that you have that really, really good reason and mission before going into it. Yeah. And, and then the hours won't really bother you as much. Totally. Um, and then number three, this is kind of, this encompasses a lot of different things, but we really advise putting a big emphasis on the soft stuff in your business as opposed to the hard stuff in your business. And so what that means is the soft stuff would be more things that are almost like emotionally driven. Um, so things like your core values, your vision, your mission, um, your like staff development and your community. community and culture and the environment. And then the hard stuff would be return on investment, um, all those things, all those initial KPIs and SEOs and (laughs) ROIs and all that stuff. Um, And not that those things don't matter. And they are are still very very important. important, Yeah. But to put the emphasis on those over all the other stuff we think is is a mistake that a lot of people make. Yeah. And especially if you're going to be opening up a gym, it is a human service based operation. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you start to emphasize the numbers and the tangible stuff, you start to really lose the soul behind the business. And humans, people can really feel that. They, they understand when they're treated like just a number or if they're being treated like an actual human being that is cared for and nurtured for. And as soon as they feel that, they're going to want to spread that to other people, refer other people into your business. Um, it's just a good thing overall to just be kind to other people, um, especially if you're in a human uh, service-based operation. Yeah. And that goes for any business that's service-based, really. I mean, and which most businesses are. Yeah. Even if they don't, you don't think you are, if you're dealing with people at all, customers, or I mean, if you're dealing with people at all in any capacity, you're a service-based business and you should be putting a lot of, of emphasis on how you make people feel when they interact with you. Whether it's a quick interaction that's like an, you know, cash out 
situation in a store or whether it's you're spending an entire hour with them in a training session, it's still customer service first. And that's, what's going to make people come back. That's going to, what's going to make people talk about you and spread the word, like Jason said, and bring more people into your business. Yeah. And so there's just a lot of stuff that we do from a financial standpoint. Like if we had a CFO that would drive them crazy because we just (laughs) don't operate based on financials, we just operate based with are just lead with our heart and our emotion. And then hopefully that leads to better financials down the road. Um, And it's kind of happened like that as a result of our kind of thought process. And I think uh, people recognize that we do have a strong mission and a strong purpose, and they can really feel that uh, from an emotional level. So I think that's just been one of the key reasons why we've been successful so far. Yeah. And it's not, that's not a common piece of advice that you're going to get from any kind of like business coach or anything Mm -hmm. like that. They're going to tell you like, no, you got to pay yourself first and you got to do all these like finan- make all these financial decisions because I mean, it's true. Making really stupid financial decisions will put you under in a second. Yes, yeah. Like you have to be smart and obviously finances matter. Like if you can't continue to run your business, then what was the point in the first place? So you have to make good financial decisions, but we do think that leaving your heart out of decisions is a really bad piece of advice that actually happens a lot. Yeah. Um, and that, actually you want to put your heart into it because that's what that's the lifeblood of your business and that's what got it started in the first place yeah and so like we do still have like we still have contracts like we like we need certain principles and guidelines in place and protocols in place for us to actually operate as an efficient business and really reach as many people as we can like if you were just just being off the cuff with every single decision then it wouldn't work either so we've kind of had this sort of like um, good balance of things. Yeah. And I would probably say it's like in the 70 to 30 range of like 70% hard, 30% um, businessy on the back end. But it's, it's just always with emotion, uh, leading with the heart first. Yeah. 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 So those would be our three key pieces of advice. Key pieces. There's a lot we more, have many more but... <laughs> um, that goes into it, but yeah, those are that, those three will set you up pretty well. Yeah. Jason, I feel like you've been adding wise to a lot of your words lately. Like, like you keep saying dead buggy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Instead of yeah. dead buggy, it's very descriptive. And then you just said businessy like five times. And, <laughs> I don't know. You're just like you're e- adding a lot of whys. It's your e- new thing. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Thing. I like it. I like it too. Yeah. It's it's good. I like dead dead buggy. It makes me think of a buggy, like a horse and buggy that that ran out of gas. That's weird. That's weird. <laughs> What's a Lauren's, dead buggy? Being, Lauren's being weird. Lauren's got pregnancy brain. In. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. All right. Cool. Oh, no. Last week I said I would come up with a cool ending and I totally forgot. What? Say it. But I didn't. Just say the normal one. No, but I said I wasn't going to copy you. (laughs) Oh, I'm so mad. Darn it. Well, I'll do that about wraps it up for today. One more time. And then on next Monday, be ready for an excellent closing. An incredible close. Boy, got to set a reminder on my phone. Um, okay, so if you could leave us a review on iTunes, that would be super, super appreciated. If you have any more questions, please please DM us at Achieve Fitness Boston on our Instagram page. And until next time, peace, love, and, and muscles. muscles.